you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 2017 Pro Bowl vote is here. It's time to vote for the NFL's best players to earn their spot at Pro Bowl, where the best meets the next. Help your favorite player earn a coveted spot on the Pro Bowl roster. Vote today at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl Vote. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Move the Sticks. Big episode coming up today. You're going to enjoy it. We've got Bill's general manager, Doug Whaley, going to join the show in a little bit. But, Bucky, before we get to him, we have uh, some games to talk about from this past weekend in the NFL. And uh, we can touch on the college thing a little bit. But I thought, first of all, I mean, we, we teased it. First start for Jared Goff. What would you think? You know, it's unfair that uh, in L.A. it was the one day that it decided to rain because I don't believe we got a chance to really see him do what the Rams wanted him to do. Uh, the rainy weather kind of prevented them from opening up and allowing Jerry Goff to throw it around the yard a little bit. They were very, very conservative, um, ran the ball a ton, threw some short passes, but they didn't spread it out and really put him in his comfort zone. Overall, I thought he was okay, but I'm excited to see him play this week because I think he'll have an opportunity to do more and show more. And maybe we can see some of the promise that led us to think that he could be a number one or number two pick in the draft. All right, let me uh, – for those that didn't get a chance to see the Rams game, I, th- I went back and, and watched the game and charted it a little bit. So they had 32 times they threw the ball. I'm going to, I'm gonna in rapid fashion, give you what happened on those 32 <laughs> plays. Okay? It's like 30, rewind. 30, 32 plays. This is like NFL game rewind except just the audio version. All right, you ready? Ready. Uh, first throw tipped. Uh, quick throw to the flat was tipped incomplete. Second throw, throw away incomplete. Third, uh, got a boot, a three-yard flat route complete. Then we have a slant complete, slant complete. Three-yard little box route, smash route incomplete. Five-step vertical shot. So one play there in the, in the first ten where he took a shot vertically. Then we have a three-step flat route incomplete. Slant complete, slant complete. That's the first ten passes. Remember we said before the game at least five, five of them would be layups. Nine of them were, were underneath throws, nine of the first ten. 
So we get to the 11th throw, flat route underneath, complete. Uh, 12th throw, one of his best. He escaped, hit a crosser. That was a nice throw, complete. Then we have a comeback, a deep throw, another one. So that's two balls down the field. Uh, the first 13 throws, that's incomplete. 14th time he dropped back, he ran himself into a sack. Then we have a, a boot, another dump to the flat, incomplete. Spot route underneath, complete. A little uh, angle route to the back, incomplete, bad throw. A scramble, throws a loose ball to the flat, incomplete. Quick out, complete. Little spot route underneath, complete. Flat route underneath, incomplete. Option route underneath, incomplete. Check down to running back, complete. Slant, complete. Little option route underneath, complete. Slant, complete. Uh, shallow cross underneath, complete. Another little box route, a little three-yard uh, in route there, complete. Then it, then this is the end of the game where they're down. Corner route incomplete, corner route incomplete. A uh, little flat route, uh, complete. Hail Mary incomplete. So I just took you through. through you saw the whole game. You saw the whole game. Yeah. And what I saw, just on what I'm hearing, a lot of quick game, a lot of quick rhythm throws. Re-step city. Get the ball out of his hands. When you go back and you really look at how Cal played and how he played when he was at University California, like the ball came out quickly. A lot of spread, quick rhythm things, a lot of isolated routes uh, designed for him to make quick decisions and quick throws. I'm not surprised because in in reality, the league is going to a lot of this quick game, 10 yards and under, let's play dink and dunk football. Uh, Part of that is to protect the quarterback. Another part of it is to kind of allow young quarterbacks to have success because you uh, simplify the reach. So for Jared Goff, I think it's really important that they continue to surround him with playmakers, and I don't know if they have enough playmakers in the passing game yet. You have a big-time running back in Ty Gurley. That's what we think. need to fortify the offensive line. But in the end, these last five, six games is about let's see where he can get to at the end of the season so we can have a jump-off point for the offseason. Let's see if Rob Wars and if Chris Winkie, they're creative enough to put him in a comfort game where we can see some of the potential. Interesting thing is, we and we talked about going to be a lot of underneath stuff to get him in a rhythm. But after you've kind of established that, in my opinion, the first four or five plays, maybe we talked about that first ten and yep. it was nine underneath throws. To me, that's to get him in a rhythm. After that, you have to take a handful of shots down the field because it's going to loosen everything up. All these little underneath routes, complete or incomplete, they're getting tackled as soon as they catch the ball because there's no respect for them down the field. You have to at least take some shots vertically. Well, yes, you, you you have to challenge them. You have to challenge the defense because if I'm on the other side, I'm, on a everything. Defense, I'm a defensive coordinator, especially after I started getting the feel after the first series or two, okay, they're going to kind of quick us to death. We're going to walk up. We're going to get nose to nose on the receivers and let's see if he can fit the ball into some tight window throws. It is incumbent upon the offensive staff that they have a couple tricks where they can stay one step ahead of the posse when it comes to Jerry Goff, meaning if we're going to start out quick game, let's make sure we have some bunch and cluster formations with some other quick and intermediate throws that we can get to if they decide to press. Let's then advance off of that and have a bootleg package to make sure that we complement what Todd Gurley's doing in the running game. It should be a systematic approach to be able to attack the defense with a young quarterback. We've seen that with Dak. We've seen that with Carson Wentz. We've seen that with some of the other young quarterbacks that are playing. They have to make sure they do a great job of building a plan that allows him to not face some of the complexities that he may see from the defense. No, I'm, I'm with you. We'll see, it'll be fun to watch, see how they use him going forward. Uh, I need to tease a video we've got coming up. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube later, which is taking these four quarterbacks from the last two draft classes. Take Jared Goff out of it because he's only got one start. But Wentz, 
Wentz and Prescott from this year, Mariota and Winston from last year, those four quarterbacks, it's very difficult to do. We've got to rank them one to four. Who you would want to build around for the future, not how well they're playing right now, who you want to build around for the future. We're going to have our answers. We put a poll on Twitter. We'll reveal the Twitter results as well as we asked a handful of analysts around – around campus here what they would do at that position yeah interesting quarterback position so much of what we've heard about is i mean when we hear coaches talk about oh quarterbacks they're not the college game is not producing quarterbacks but when i look and see the guys playing it looks like they're playing pretty well particularly those guys that have stayed in school for a long time they had enough reps to kind of assimilate into the league i believe now more than ever offensive coordinators will face the challenge of not only putting a young quarterback in their offense, but meeting them halfway to allow them to have success because the game isn't changing. The old guard is transitioning out of the league. So teams that need young quarterbacks must find a way to get those guys on the field playing and playing well if they're going to have any chance of success. All right, here I, I had uh, Bill Smith in research before we get to some of these other games. I, last week I had him do a little third-down study, get some numbers for us. It was pretty interesting. This week I had two different projects for him, and he delivered. By the way, uh, NFL Research, I believe, is a Twitter handle. Yeah, NFL That's Research good. on Twitter. they dropping some nice stuff. Yeah, so be sure to follow them if you haven't already. So here we go. I want to know about drops. Who, who's leading the league in drop passes? Who's Ooh. dropping a lot of balls? Who, you have any guesses? Uh, let's see. I think Nelson Aguilar is probably up there. He's so there. Philadelphia is third, tied for third in the league with 26 drops. This is not uh, the Raiders Houston game has not been included in this yet, but I don't think wow. it would not have affected where they're rated. Although uh, Crabtree did drop some balls uh, last night, yeah. But Philly has dropped 26 balls That's this a year. A lot of drops. The Giants lead the league with 33. Wow. Then you have Jacksonville with 27. So, and to me, it's interesting. Like, let's take Philly at 26 drops, okay? You've got Carson Wentz, a rookie plan. We've got another rookie plan, Dak Prescott. Drops by the Dallas Cowboys this year, tied for 30th, 11. So that's, so, so that's a difference of 15 completions. You throw an extra 15 completions in the yards that come with them, it changes, your, it changes everything a little changes bit. changes a lot of stuff. changes your completion percentage. Keeps trace, drives alive. It's not just the rating, yards you miss. It's all extending stuff. drives. Extending drives, push you in favorable positions, allows you to play in manageable situations on third down. You get as more opposed touchdowns because you're in better spot. Yeah, you're facing the defense that has to play what we call mixed down looks, meaning they have to defend run and pass as opposed to loading up to play the pass. So it does matter a lot. And when we talk about the support and cast and why – Every quarterback has to be judged individually based on what they have around them. And Dak Prescott, when you look at their team, we can talk about the offensive line, you can talk about Zeke, but when you go to the pass catchers, Jason Witten, probably a certain Hall of Famer, very reliable, can depend on. When healthy, Des Bryant is a top five receiver, a guy that is dynamic, um, changes the game. And so, and then Cole Beasley has emerged as a nice complimentary slot receiver that can make some plays. So Dak Prescott is able to really play as a bus driver, just kind of distribute, make sure we stay on schedule, everyone is um, a part of the action. But when you have those guys that are dependable and trustworthy, it allows your young quarterback to play at a high level, even though he's young and inexperienced. Interesting thing. So that was the one number I wanted to look at. By the way, the uh, the team with the least amount of drops, New England Patriots with 10. Wow. That's what they do. I mean, they sacrifice some things, but they're going to be – uh, they're going to be dependable and reliable. That's what they do. Be in the right spot, just catch the ball. I don't, something I, don't to either, I don't need to run away from anybody on the outside. Just something be where be, you're supposed to be, catch the ball. There's something to be said for that because you talk about a, a team that has a bunch of guys that catch the ball and you have arguably the most accurate quarterback that you'll find in the NFL. And so if he always is delivering the ball within the strike zone, those guys are always catching it. 
it makes it hard to get this offense off schedule. It's interesting. So the Patriots only 10 drops. I mentioned the Cowboys with only 11, the Seahawks with only 11, that group of wide receivers that catch everything, um, and the Redskins with only 12. You know, like here's what I'll say about the Washington Redskins, and there's been a lot of conversation and fodder about Kirk Cousins and whether they need to pay him or not. Oh, he's going to get paid. Oh, he, he is definitely going to get paid. But this is what I'll say, much like some other situations. That is a nice situation in Washington. I don't think people give them a lot of credit for everything that is around. They have a nice offensive line. Wide receiver, their wide receiver core, I think, is a top five wide receiver core in terms of their personnel and talent. The system is a great system for what he is and how he plays. Quick rhythm throws, ball comes out. Uh, they mix between shotgun and single back. They have some play action stuff that they've recently stumbled upon with Robert Kelly being in there, Vernon Davis reemerging as a factor. So there are a lot of nice things, and this offense is very, very diverse. So when I look at the Washington Redskins and I look at their team, yes, you have to pay Kirk Cousins. Yes, you need to make sure that he's in the fold and you have all the things around them. But I think this offense can be an offense that is good for a long time, but they're going to have to make some decisions because when they pay Kurt and you have Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson come up, now as a front office you have to make a decision. Do we re-sign those guys or are we confident enough in our staff that we can find those guys in the draft? I think they're okay. I think they're okay. I think you can see both those guys leave after this season. They're going. Josh Doxson needs to get healthy and get out there. First-round pick. Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder has been phenomenal. He's been outstanding. So now in the draft, in my mind, if, if we're saying, okay – Say we're one more guy these, in the draft. These one are the conversations guy. we're having in the meeting room. Like, okay, so if we're going to let Pierre Gasson go down the road, we're going to let Deshaun Jackson go down the road. In this draft, we have to find a burner. We have to find a guy that can take the top off the defense. Someone like maybe a John Ross. There you go. It'd be, it'd be a perfect fit for them. You know, someone not necessarily in the first round because you invested a first-round pick on Josh Dotson last year, but maybe in the second round, I am looking for someone that can take the top off the defense, that can be – that Deshaun Jackson on the outside, and now we can continue to play the way we want to play. You know what's funny? I was just talking to somebody with the team and uh, just kind of looking forward to next year's draft. And I was talking about uh, uh, just in general, I said, okay, you got offense, defense. You know, I think you could use one of these or one of those. What are you, what are you looking for to get in this draft? He said, DJ, playmakers. That's well, that- it. Play- I don't care what position. We need some more guys that can make – plays so we're not so you know hung up on wow we need one of these and one of those no 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 who can make a play for us that is this as bare bones as it gets we need some more of those dudes well i, th- I think the game is evolving i think and I, I think it's evolving right in front of us where um we see it in basketball where basketball is kind of becoming positionless you're having mm-hmm. a bunch of hybrid players that can do a bunch of things like kevin duran is a seven foot jump shooter that can he can make some blocks at the rim he can shoot he can dribble he can do all these things shoot three pointers in football you're looking for guys that aren't necessarily playing a set position so we talk about the safety position we have now safeties that play in the box like linebackers but nickel cover or whatever so it is important that whoever you're looking at when we go to the school call we're doing the tape does he show up on tape and make game-changing plays because there's a value for guys that can deliver those splash plays that ultimately decide games. So on defense, I want guys that can knock the quarterback around, they can create turnovers, or they snatch turnovers. And on offense, I want guys who can put the ball in the paint. Mm -hmm. From anywhere on the field, I want them to be able to score touchdowns because the game is about scoring points. Can you create takeaways? Can you score points? Those are the teams that win. All right, so the other other stat I had him look at, Buck, uh, pressures allowed. Um, Not a surprise, I don't think, to many people, although I think they played better on the offensive line. Um, I think some of this is on Andrew. Andrew holds the ball a little bit, but Colts number one in pressures allowed, 196 pressures allowed. 
Man, that's a lot uh, of pressure. The Browns right behind them at 186. Not surprising. The Seahawks are way up there. The Bills are third. The Seahawks are fourth. Russell Wilson, though, gets out of that stuff. He saves them. Jameis Winston is a, another one who's under a lot of pressure. He's tied for the fifth most pressures, and he gets out of trouble. Interesting thing. You look at the bottom of the list. So who's who's uh, faced the least amount of pressure? Right. And a lot of times when we see these stats, sacks allowed, pressures allowed, first thing that comes to your mind is offensive line. This might change your thinking. Ball who who, who do you think is the least pressured quarterback in the NFL? Oh, same thing, Tom Brady. Saints. Drew Brees, veteran, understands how to get rid of the ball. Only been pressured 66 times. So think about this. The Colts have been pressured 196 times. Drew Brees has been Three times as many. 66 times. Um, and then I think, look, I think New England, some of that's because Brady didn't play the first four weeks. So you got to factor that in. But uh, where New England falls in this list, they're in the middle, they're tied for 16th, right Who's dead second? Who's right behind? So the Saints, right in front of them, Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh. Another another veteran quarterback is going to get a lot of quick game, right? A lot of quick game, get the ball out of your hands. Next, Derek Carr. We talk about his, you know, offensive line's great, but he's got a quick release, the ball's gone. The ball comes out. You know, um, and this would be interesting, maybe this is a next-gen stat steal, uh, being able to see what we call from snap to release. Mm-hmm. How quickly is the ball coming out? Because I would wonder what the correlation is between those numbers and how quickly the quarterback is taking a step and getting it out of his hands. No question. Because more teams are playing what we call that dink and dunk, connect the dots Pass break. passing game. You cannot block the pass rushes in the league. They're too explosive. The athletes like Von Miller's, the DeMarcus Ware's, even the D Ford, you can't block those guys one-on-one. So you have to put it on the quarterback to get it out of his hands. Those guys, the veterans, understand how critical it is to get it out. Derek Carr is mature beyond his years if he's understanding how to get it out because the negative plays are what kill you because the negative plays end up leading to those turnover situations where you're third and 12, you're throwing against a loaded coverage, and the ball is ultimately tipped or deflected for interception. This is one that surprised me. So Dallas Cowboys, 86 pressures, which is great. I mean, they're they're tied for 28th, um, so they're, they're in great shape there. But look. That 86 times the Cowboys have been quarterbacks been pressured. The Philadelphia Eagles have only been pressured 90 times. That says a lot about Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, getting the, getting the ball. It, the it's ball funny up. because I think they play a different style. I think Prescott, you watch it, he's got he's operating, he's got some time back there, and he's not getting pressured and delivering the ball. I think a lot of this with Carson Wentz not getting pressured, and people were critical. Remember when they played against the Cowboys? Oh, just a bunch of short little throws. Talked about golf, a bunch of short little throws. They have in Philadelphia have they've tried to stretch it out. They tried it this last week. They had some poor decisions and they had some drop passes. Um, but you've got to find a way to balance that quick game. I think Drew Brees is the master of it. Quick, quick, quick! All of a sudden, boop, shot right over the top. So yeah. it's like a boxer, just jab, 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 boom. You have to set it up, and those 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 throws have to be manufactured. Those home run throws. But if you have the ability to play quick rhythm games, it makes it where your quarterback doesn't get hit. And if you have the receivers that are catch-and-run specialists, meaning they can break a tackle and turn a slant into like a 15- or 20-yard game, it is frustrating to a defense to surrender a bunch of quick rhythm throws because then you get out of sorts, you try to play press man-to-man, and that's when your home run shots happen. Drew Brees is the master of it. And Sean Payton is a, a great play designer. He understands how to set up the defense to manipulate those shots eventually down the field. No question. So it's just a couple of interesting stats to look at this week. From, from last week's games, Buck, um, anything else? Anything else jump out at you? Uh, I think the running. I'm gonna go back to the Redskins, and I'm gonna go back to Robert Kelly, and I'm gonna go back. How about to, that one? I'm gonna go back to like why the running back position remains such 
Hartwin maybe to evaluate. I just think they're everywhere. I think you can find running backs. Everywhere. Yeah, you can find. You, you know, we 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 say that, but then like it's not only being able to find them anywhere. It's also finding the right one for what you do, and I think that's the biggest thing we talk about um, in scouting. Uh, fit and scheme. How does someone fit within your scheme is critical. So every running back isn't necessarily the right flavor for what you want to do. But if you can find the guy who has the skill set, and Robert Kelly certainly has the skill set to be a physical runner behind that big offensive line. They want to play power football. He's getting his shoulder square. He's running through tackles. It has worked well. Jay Ajay for the Miami Dolphins. Adam Gase comes over. Jay Ajay was languishing on the bench. They now get him in the lineup. He's a physical runner that does it between the tackles, has some explosiveness, changes the identity of the team. I believe as much as we talk about the devaluation of the running back, they're still not diminishing importance. It's about finding the right guy at the right value to have him come and be your feature back. Yeah, I have this discussion all the time with friends around the league, and it's, you know, I, look, this guy's great in the first round, but it, I, it's going to cost me a first-round pick to get this kid. Or I can take one in the fifth round, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to sign two more as undrafted free agents. I'm going to give myself three cracks of this thing, and the capital is going to cost me next to nothing. And I'm going to take chances. I'm going to take chances on the draft. Like, that's the other thing, too. If you don't take a first-rounder, I'm going to take as many as I can, be it at the bottom of the draft, free agency, guys who may have had character issues, guys who fail for whatever reason. But I'm going to throw them out there, and I'm going to give them opportunities, and I'm going to cycle them through. And I'm a firm believer – when I was at Carolina, we had the belief that you need to take one early, run them into the ground. On to the next one. On to the next one. It's hard. Don't it's, ever, cold. it's cold, but it is what it is. Don't ever allow a running back to get into his second contract. Um, and not only do you do that, but when he has one year remaining on his deal, that's when you draft another one high. Yeah, yeah. Just so he knows. Yeah, get that one year, I mean, one more hard year out of him. We did it. We had Steven Davis and uh, Deshaun Foster. Deshaun Foster becomes the guy. He's the bell cow. Then we go and get D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams goes and does his thing as a first-round pick, and then they get Jonathan Stewart. It's just kind of right into the passage. If you do that, you have an opportunity, one, not to tie a lot of money into the running back position, but you always got a younger model that you're really trying to get 300 touches. No, it's fascinating. The uh, uh, Anything else from this last week before we touch on these college games, Buck? I mean, I, not, nothing else really stood out to me. Nothing else. I think the one thing that stood out to me, the Minnesota Vikings and their special teams, um, they won it with defense and special teams. You get a pick six and a kick return. We talk about in scouting, being able to spend a little extra time on the school call, looking at the special teams tape, looking at who are the guys, putting the, the stars on the stickers like a Cordero Patterson, who was terrific at Tennessee as kind of a do-it-all playmaker, uh, a, per- a return specialist. He's been able to take him into paint. Also, guys that can block and cover and do those things. We're seeing the Minnesota Vikings a week ago. We saw the Denver Broncos, those guys that are able to be able to do it. Now it's it's uh, it's key. You know, I have a uh, a friend in the personnel department that one of the things he likes to do during the year. I think this is a great idea. Is he'll just you know sporadically send out who are the best five special teams players you've seen or who are the five most explosive players you've seen. Um, look, if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles after what they've seen the last couple of weeks and throwing out those drop numbers, I'd be like, hey, send out an email to all your scouts. Say I don't I don't care who the fastest is, whatever. Who are, who are the five best pass catchers you've seen this fall? The most reliable, dependable guys. We need to get one. And, and I think it's very important. Like This is a kind of a macro deal Like as you're at the top because you talk about being national scout, even a director, whatever. You have to be able to think beyond just your area. Like being able to categorize and sort those guys out and be able to say, here are my speed receivers. Here are my 
dependable chain movers. Here are my guys that could be my number one receivers and being able to have multiple lists so you know exactly what do we need. Yep. And so, for instance, because we got hit up on Twitter about a kid from Eastern Washington, Cooper Cup, yep. who, man, I stayed up to watch him. He got hurt his shoulder. Against Portland State. Yeah. I, 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 one, I was amazed that I found it yeah. on uh, DirecTV. It was on Root Sports TV nice. or whatever. Nice. I tune in, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I got my guy. I'm going to watch him. He catches a, a, a deep ball, mm-hmm. lands on the shoulder, and he's done. Yep. But he is someone who have a lot of intrigue. Somewhere, day two, day three, big physical receiver, but he's dependable. He can make plays, and he's done it for a long time. Lots of production. Of and, and, and the Pac-12 teams, he torches them. Absolutely. Watched, watched the tape against Oregon. Washington I want to say State. He, he wore out. Washington, he, he was younger with against Marcus, Marcus Peters. Peters. Yeah, absolutely. They That's something some scouts everybody goes. You gotta watch that tape. Yeah, so so watching those guys that are dependable and quality that can get it done. Corey Davis is another guy from Western Michigan who is kind of a chain mover like that. You have to have those guys because they're critical. May not be the fastest, but a good offensive coordinator will find a way to uncover those guys and get them open. All right, uh, let's touch real quick on the weekend that was in college football, Buck. Biggest surprise, probably Louisville just getting smashed. I didn't see that coming. I don't. Yeah, knock around. I will say this: Houston has a defensive tackle, uh, Wilson, number ten. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. He's a bad dude. But I think uh, he's a young guy. Houston's a freshman. It is not. That's not his name. What is his name? Uh, I can see him clear as day. He is dominant. Actually, I talked to somebody that was at the game. Oh and my! Said, dude, have you seen this man? Oh my goodness! I think he was a top defensive lineman in the country Jeez. coming to college. He was like a five-star recruit. Man. Um. But yeah, no, he's a bad dude. Um. He completely dominated that game and I think the big thing for a lot of people who are just tuned in for Lamar Jackson and I know it's easy when guys are young to just kind of throw these big things out that I've even been guilty of because I talked about the Michael Vick Randall Cunningham thing as it gets closer to his time to become eligible for the draft we'll begin to pick apart his game and what I will say about Lamar Jackson in terms of his game he is going to have to be able to balance his game from between being a playmaker and being a guy that can move the offense, meaning he can't always go for the splash play. He has to be able to get the ball out of his hands. At no point can a quarterback take 11 sacks. We can talk about the offensive line, but a lot of that is on the quarterback. He has to be able to find a way to get the ball out of his hands and allow the offense to work for him. Ed Oliver, I believe was his name. Ed Oliver. He's a bad dude, man. Um, That's a powerful, powerful dude. Um, Anything else from the – I mean, SC beat the brakes off UCLA. That didn't really surprise anybody, I don't think. Um, no, nah, it didn't. But I think the big thing was watching – How about Jordan. Colorado? Uh, I thought Washington State would beat them. I did, but then the quarterback for Colorado had a really nice game. Now, what he's is the he, poor man's draft? Paxton Lynch? I mean, he's a big physical runner. Look, long, he ran 22, very long. 23 times for 100 yards, threw for 300. Um, they did a really good job of putting him in a situation where they could do it. Colorado has some intriguing guys. They have a little corner. Corner's good. The corner's pretty pretty nice. Yeah. He's, he's pretty I, I watched him last year. Somebody told me he might come out last year, so I picked at him. I gave him like third third round grade. He's he's a good player. Yeah, they have they have some really good players. Um, I'm excited, but this this is the weekend. Oh, every game this weekend is phenomenal. Rivalry, rivalry. That's tough. To all those R's. Yeah, you rivalry. Got we you got it. You got being it. Being able to see Michigan Ohio State, huge game because I don't know about you, but when I go to school calls or when I'm looking at games, I'm looking at top prospects. I'm looking to see them in those five-star marquee games, those games that have a little extra to them, those rivalry games, those conference championship games, and sometimes certain bowl games, particularly in the playoffs. Guys that can rise up in those games, 
kind of give a little extra little, little extra credit to. Well, I'll tell you what. Somebody that's going to be paying attention to all these college players while he's uh, paying attention to his NFL team is Buffalo Bills general manager Doug Whaley. And, Buck, I'm stoked. We got him, uh, we got him on the line here. Get a chance to visit with him. Well, pleased to, to be joined by Buffalo Bills general manager Doug Whaley, taking some time to visit with us. We appreciate it, Doug. Look, you guys, uh, you fought all the way back 5-5. Five and five. What's your, your quick assessment here of how the team and how the year has gone? I think right now uh, we're building. Uh, we have to try to get some consistency. Um, we had it with the four-game winning streak. Obviously, we stumbled coming out of the blocks, hit a nice little win streak, and then uh, we stumbled again. So um, now we, we went into Cincinnati, beat a, a team that uh, were similar position with us, fighting for their lives in this AFC playoff race. Uh, we came out with a victory, and we're looking to, again, just build on that and, and try to get some consistency and try to be on the upswing on, on this final playoff push. You know, Doug, I want to go beyond your, your team. I, I read somewhere, I read some comments that you made about building a championship team, and you talked about mm-hmm. having six core guys or six guys that you could quote-unquote pay. And you talked about the quarterback, the offensive tackle, a playmaker, then on defense, a pass rusher, a corner, and a playmaker. Can you expand a little on that? Because I don't know if a lot of viewers kind of understand the philosophy of building a team in that manner. Well, in the system that we have today with a salary cap, you can't pay everybody. So you have to really uh, identify uh, as an organization from ownership to management to uh, coaching what would be the core players that we think would be a cornerstone to consistently keep for, compete for a championship. And the first guy, obviously, is the quarterback. I mean, this is a quarterback-driven league, and if you don't have one of those guys, then you do have some flexibility to pay other guys, but everybody's on a quest to find that, that guy. And uh, once you have that quarterback, you have to have a guy to protect him, and that's where the left tackle comes into place. You've got to have a guy that can keep your quarterback upright because if he's injured and always getting hit and not having the time to find and be efficient, then uh, he's, he's rendered moot. Um, and then on the, uh, at the end of it, he's got to have a, somebody that he can get the ball to, a playmaker like a Sh- Sammy Watkins or a Shady McCoy. Fortunately for us, we have two playmakers. Um, and on defense... Again, passing league. So you have, a guy to, have to have a guy to get after the quarterback, and you have to have a guy to, to cover the wide receivers. Um, and then if you can sprinkle in another playmaker there, be it a, a defensive lineman like we have Marcel Darius, then those six guys can be the cornerstone of your team, and that, those six guys are going to eat up a lot of your ca- salary cap. So then the onus is on us, uh, the, the management and the personnel staff, to draft well, to restock that roster every year with young players that can help uh, supplement where you cannot spend the, the rest of your money. Doug, I was, uh, I was with your head coach in Baltimore with Rex, and we, we used to always have that phrase, play like a raven. I'm sure you've heard it from, from Rex a million times. So when you say that, it was kind of what we were looking for. You talk about the key positions. This is more about the key traits that, that go into making those players. So if I was going to ask you uh, your philosophy to play like a bill, um, what is that you looking for in guys? Um, it starts with those guys loving the process, loving the process to get you to Sunday. Everybody loves Sundays and what Sundays brings to them. But for us, we want guys that love the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the, uh, even the off season, and love to do things when people aren't looking. Anybody can do something when you're told to do it or when the camera's on you. But what are you doing when the camera's not on you? So loving the process is what one of the cornerstone things of what we think of playing like a Bill is. And then loving the game. Uh, you have to be able to, no matter what's going on, 
in your life be able to shut it out and let, give it all for, for not only for you, but for your team, your, your teammates, and the coaches, and the, and, the, and the team as a whole, and the team's fan base. So those are two characteristics. And then the last thing we look for is what we call uh, junkyard dogs, guys that no matter what's going on, uh, when it's fourth and one and the game's on the line and it's for the victory, everybody's looking at each other saying, I'm not going to let this guy down because he's got that junkyard dog in him. And, and that inspires people to just lay it on the line. So those, type of th those are the three things that we, we look for when we say we want a guy to play like a Bill. The way, you, the way you just described that, by the way, reminds me of this guy in the draft last year from Clemson. Rushed the passer a little bit, and it just sounded like you just described him just about perfect. Oh, yeah, you ended up uh, drafting him. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty uh, vanilla, I guess you could say. I mean, we're not too intricate. It's not, it's not a, a rocket science. I'm not the smartest guy, but uh, we identified those, those traits in players. You know, obviously, they have to have the skill level to play this game. But the stuff off the field is, is very important these days, and those are the, the traits that we really look for. You know, the thing about Trace, you talked about it being a quarterback-driven league, but so much of the college game has changed how we as pros have to look at the quarterback position. Talk about the challenges of finding a quarterback in today's game when so many quarterbacks are coming out of spread systems and so many guys may be these dual-threat guys that you're trying to teach to play in a pro-style manner. It's tough. Uh, and I, obviously, like you said, the, the college game is, is getting so far away from the pro game. It, it puts a real hardship on us trying to identify and to uh, scout these quarterbacks. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but, uh, and I'm not very eloquent with my words, but a lot of times you see these guys, they're basically joysticks because the offensive coordinator tells them what the play is, what the coverage is, and exactly where to throw. So they're just out there performing the duty like a joystick. So then you have to find out wh what do they know? Do they know how to identify the mic? Do they know how to set the fronts? Do they ha know how to call line protections? Do they know how to read coverages? Do they know how to see a disguise coverage and what it would go to? So there's a, the learning curve is getting steeper and steeper for these guys coming out of college and going into pros. And uh, it, it makes it difficult not only for us to scout them and find out who may possibly have that trait, but once they get here, to be able to develop that, that, th those traits for somebody that has never had to do it. So it's a difficult thing, and unfortunately, it's for the most difficult position, but the most important position. So it makes it very, very tough. Doug, you believe in the, uh, the old theory of you build your team to, to win your division. And if, if you do believe that, how do you go about building a team that has to deal with Tom Brady? What, what goes into that scouting process, maybe in that room, when you're asking the questions, how does this guy help us beat him? Uh, again, it, it, you are correct. You, to, to, to get to where you need to go and to, to cement yourself into the playoffs, you have to win your division. We don't want to build a team that's fighting for, for wild card spots. And to do that, uh, we have to right now beat the best, and the best is Tom Brady. And right now, it's, for us, is just getting a collection of guys that we believe and believe in themselves can go out there and lay it on the line and aren't afraid to, to try to climb Mount Everest. And right now, Mount Everest at the top of it is, is, is Tom Brady, and we have to do whatever we can do, find whoever we can find, and put a collection of those guys together and go out there and, and try to knock off the champs. 
Easier said than done, and, but that's nothing that's deterring us, and uh, we, we're okay with those odds, and we're going to keep working until we get there. You know, Doug, so much of the National Football League, they talk about the devaluation of the running back position. However, I believe the position hasn't been diminished in importance. You have a guy in Shady McCoy that has all the traits that you look for. What are some of the things that you look for in the running back position when you think about a guy that can be a feature back? I think the number one thing is instincts. Um, there's a lot of guys, If you, Bucky, you've been around the game. Both you guys have been around the game long enough. And when you talk to those uh, the established running backs, the, the career-leading rushers. I had a conversation with uh, Curtis Martin the other day, and sometimes you ask him, well, how did you do that? And they just said, you just do it. You know, it's something that's natural to them. So instincts to me are, are very top of the list of characteristics a running back has to have, and determination. Determination, if it's third and one, I'm not going to be stopped. So guys, and then uh, obviously then, you want a guy that has some the hands, the ball security, the willingness to block. But I think the number one characteristic is instincts. Well, Doug, before I let you go, last question from mm -hmm. me. We talk a lot about our old war stories from the road. And one thing we've always respected about you, you came up through the process. You've done every job there is to do. So I just need one, maybe some remote scouting trip for you way back in the day when you were with the Seahawks. Maybe you're up there somewhere uh, up the East Coast. I need, like, your favorite small school just random scouting story from back in the day. I'd have to probably say – my, one of my first years on the road, I went to Villanova, Villanova to see wide receiver Brian Finneran. And I was, it was probably my first or second game uh, on, by myself as a, as a young scout. And I parked the car in the parking lot. I'm getting all my stuff together, my binoculars, my notepad, my credential. Shut the door. I, I actually locked the door from inside. Shut the door. Go to the game. Sitting at the press box. I'm... I'm and watching the pregame and get all my notes from body types, get up to the press box, sit down, put everything on the counter. Where's my car keys? <laughs> no car keys. So I, I, it, gets, it gets better. So I have some time before kickoff. I go out and I'm like, all right, maybe I left them in the car. Not only did I lock the car and the keys in the car, the car was still running. <laughs> so that's one of my favorites. <laughs> That's so right. It was, that's yes, wrong. That's a strong one. So it was a, it was a young, anxious scout that uh, was just really hyped to get to get to work. So that that I'll give you that story. <laughs> that's phenomenal. That's, that's great. That's a good one. That's hey, great. Doug, we appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck uh, for the rest of the season with you and the Buffalo Bills, man. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Fantastic, Buck. Great to catch up with with Doug Whaley. Um, this team is kind of right in the thick of it right now. Been a little bit up and down, but uh, trending in the right direction. Got a lot of good young pieces on that roster and uh, look forward to watching them down the stretch. But really, really good dude. No, really good dude. And that's the one thing that you can talk about the Buffalo Bills. Like, they haven't necessarily won to the level of expectation, but there's no disputing the talent that they have on both sides of the ball. Continue to put pieces in place and we'll see where it goes. But you have to like where they're going because they appear to be trending in the right direction. All right, we got to get some more GMs on here. It's always fun to visit with these guys. All right, Buck, that's going to do it for us today. I don't know for sure if we're going to have another show, another audio show this week. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll have one. Maybe we won't. But a great slate of college football games, a nice NFL slate as well. We will be back soon. I can't tell you when, but soon. If we don't, if I don't see you before then, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And, uh, and thank you guys for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for rating us and leaving us comments on iTunes. We appreciate it. Be sure to check out our videos on YouTube as well as NFL.com slash podcast for all the audio stuff and iTunes. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>
Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. 